Marshmallows Eve. Welcome back to Multi Mobile Podcast. Right, right. I mean, I, I wanted to give you some opportunity to say it. Did you want to do it together? Yes, I'd love to do it together. Right. One, two, three. Multi Mobile Podcast. Uh, I am Chad Schoen, Director of the Multimodal Education Center. I'm Delena Brecken, Senior Instructional Technologist. And welcome to episode two. Ooh, wait, I have a new sound maker. Yeah. Yeah, that's the excitement. Episode two. Delaney just happened to have those uh, weird sound makers. And how many do you actually have at your home? I think I have about 20. 20, as one does. As one does. You know, we did, you know, it's uh, Halloween, actually, it was a Halloween game. It was uh, Halloween Jeopardy. Those were the... uh, I know the answer. Right. They came in handy okay. in an actual uh, meeting, meeting with our department. Right. Yeah. It allowed yeah. us all to participate in uh, our own game of Jeopardy. So, brilliant. It was brilliant. I'm glad you kept them. Um, so, today uh, we have Susanna Flores as our featured faculty. Yes. Stay uh, tuned for that near the end of this episode. And um, then we have our regular clips, which would be canvas tips. Canvas tips and tricks. The ask it. The ask the instructional technologist. Awesome. App of the episode. And this uh, week's episode, or this episode's episode. This episode's app. Episode's app, app, right. The app of this episode will be Ally, an accessibility tool that helps faculty learn how to make their course documents more accessible. Awesome. So let's start with Canvas tips. What do you got for us, Delana? Well, today I thought was a good day to unveil this secret superpower of Canvas. I usually hold it close in my vest, or I hold it close to your chest, to my heart, to your heart, somewhere you're holding it. It's actually something that I, I do like to share, but it's a really great tip. Um, if you've deleted anything from your Canvas course, you can actually recover anything you've deleted by typing in undelete. Typing in undelete where? You go to your homepage. Mm-hmm. You go to the URL bar. Mm-hmm. At the very end, you're going to do a forward slash and then the word undelete. And then you hit enter and it'll show you every single thing that's ever been deleted from that course next to that is a restore button for each item for each item that's pretty awesome it's pretty awesome you never know it's the one where i get the call and i say don't worry about it i got you cool and you don't let them know they can do it so that you look like all powerful no no i tell them how to do it i I don't want to do it for you (laughs) (laughs) well great it's a great thing yeah that's that's my that's what I wanted to share today. I've been working on a spooky sort of voice to share that, but I don't think it's coming across. It didn't across. come through, yeah, but, but I will it's give still a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. Okay. Okay. Number two, my number two trick is I've got the best way for you to share content with your colleagues. Tell me about it. Commons, Canvas Commons. Mm-hmm. You can share an individual item like a file, an assignment, a page, 
to a commons group that's designed specifically for you and your team, your program, your department, whatever you need, then anybody within that group will be able to import it directly into their Canvas course. Nobody, you know, I know some people do these group templates and then um, you inadvertently, they start editing the template, thinking they're in their own course, that won't happen. So you just share it to Commons, then they can import it. The other nice thing is if you update what you've shared, the people who've used it before will get a notification and say, hey, this has been updated. Do you want to update your version? Oh, that's awesome. It's really awesome. Yeah. So contact me directly. This is Delena Brecken from Multimodal Learning, and I want to help you use Commons. Great. And uh, so with that, if they import it to the class, they can also alter it once it's imported. Is that oh, correct? absolutely, yeah. yes. So and it won't change the, the, the source. Yeah. So that's also very lovely. Well, great. Well, that is it for Canvas tips for this week. Stay tuned for next episode um, to get some more helpful Canvas tips and tricks. <laughs> I was hoping you would sing it. <laughs> Can't help myself sometimes. I know. better if you have Chad. Well, that's true. <laughs> Everything's better with Chad. I think it's better if I sit on that side. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's time for Ask It. Ask the Chump. No. Stump the Chump. Come on. Come on. Um, ask so an instructional technologist. Yes. Ask an instructional technologist. Today's question is, what is the difference between andragogy and pedagogy? Well, andragogy is the method and practice of teaching adults versus pedagogy, which is the method and practice of teaching children. And pedagogy is usually the kind of umbrella term that everyone uses for the practice of teaching and learning, right? Absolutely. And I think that as our student population and higher education has shifted somewhat, I think we should also shift and consider the key principles of adult learning, okay. which you know, are within andragogy. What are those? Well, adult learners are better off involved in the planning and evaluation of their instruction. Their experience, life experience, including mistakes, provides a basis for their learning activities, so things are connected. Um, they're more interested in learning subjects that are relevant and will impact their professional or personal lives, and then focus on problem-centered instruction versus content-centered instruction, where your younger learners really rely more on the teacher to determine the content and evaluation methods. They've got less personal experience to draw from, and so it's, it's less uh, a focus in their instruction. And often younger learners you know, we'll focus more on the subject-centered than the interest-driven content. Um, younger learners are less intrinsically motivated and more motivated by the grade or things that are outside of themselves, where your adult learners with interest-driven, relevant instruction to their lives, they're very, they're intrinsically motivated. Right, and they're wanting to learn something that's going to help them out 
right. immediately or for their job or whatever. They're looking for that kind of instruction rather than um, maybe a less focused approach. Right, and, and I think by having this conversation on campus about andragogy and those principles of adult learning, I think, you know, our students, even our younger students, are in this transitional period in their lives where they're, you, you know, becoming more motivated by their own desires. And, and have experience. You right. know, they're not children, right. per se. Exactly. I mean, we do I consider them adults, and uh, I think this is a good framework for further discussion, reflection on your teaching practices. Hey, well, you know what? Why don't we do a faculty development uh, collaboration with uh, on this topic? Yeah, I think that's great. Probably near the end of the quarter. I think maybe November 29th. November 29th. Yeah, All right. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk to Eric Cheney. Sounds good. Sounds good. This is the featured faculty segment of our multimodal podcast. And today I have with me Dr. Susana Flores from the School of Education. She's an assistant professor there. Susana, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, so I'd like to start if you would just share with our, our listeners your teaching philosophy. So my teaching philosophy continues to change, but I think at its heart, it's it's pretty consistent. I believe that our learners, whether they're pre pre-K or college students or grown folk, they should be at the center. So I believe that it's very important that we start with what questions um, our learners have, um, how are they perceiving the world, and then once they start with their questions, then really trying to um, talk about the curriculum, attach that to some theories. Here are some here are ways that other people, other theorists, other researchers, other teachers have um, answered this particular question. Your answer is unique and you're going to make it work and adapt it uh, lifelong. But really, I believe that we need to start with questions. Mm -hmm. why, why aren't there more uh, students of color in this particular classroom? So I have one um, of my cultural education classes um, where there are no people of color. Where are they? What is the reason that this class is so homogeneous? And so that's a good starting point. Um, yeah, interesting. So questions I think are really important. I almost think that the questions you ask are more important than anything else. So I encourage lots of questions. And I explain to my students, you may leave with more questions than you have answers after you've taken this whole course and read this whole book and conducted this assignment and did this you're probably going to have more questions, but I encourage that. And I believe that we need to have some degree of discomfort in teaching, particularly as a multicultural education teacher. Mm -hmm. I believe we need to embrace the discomfort and um, really own up um, to many of the errors we made collectively so that we can chart a different pathway into the future and hopefully work towards social change and bringing about more equity um, in pre-K through, through now. So this is being the multimodal podcast where we focus on different technologies in teaching and learning. Can you share with us an ex a positive experience that you had incorporating a new technology into a classroom or an assignment or 
something like that? So I have, I've had many opportunities. So one is I use Canvas for everything. And I think one advantage is I took the training before I started the job. So other people were still transitioning between one platform to another, but I started right after that. So I find it to be really useful. Um, I'm not a very organized person, but I find that the Canvas um, platform gives me tools like I can plop on all my assignments into this category or here's how you can take attendance and so it helps me be a little bit more organized than I am in my real life mm -hmm. and so I think that that's an advantage to students and I do like Canvas because there continues to be added features like the ally feature um, mm -hmm. that I just adopted really helps me think about are my assignments are the links are my PowerPoints, are these documentaries, are they accessible to everybody? Mm -hmm. This yeah. quarter, it hasn't been an issue. I don't have anyone who who really requires anything outside of time and a half taking tests. Mm -hmm. But I know that in the spring, I had a student that um, she had an American Sign Language translator in the class. And, and I know that I did not do a great job at making sure that all our documentaries had closed captioning. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. so I think this puts it on my radar. In the past, I've also had students who um, have a visual processing um, issue, and that's something that I need to think about. So by incorporating LA from this point forward, I'm hoping that I am making it more accessible for my students. Um, so that's my experience with Canvas. I've had a lot of fun finding different ways to incorporate it. So the one that I'm currently in love with is really short. I have every student in my very beginning classes to my students who may be in their junior year or close to completion and my students in the STEM teaching program do um, an elevator talk. And okay. so I have them watch a really silly YouTube video and I embed the link into Canvas and it's, um, and we watch it together, we identify why it works, and then I have them go do it, and I give them just 12 hours to do it. So they have to upload on the first day, and there's a feature on Canvas where they can just click record, Yep. and they can decide if they want to upload it or not, and then they have to watch each other's recordings, and it's really, it's really awful, it's really awkward, and they hate <laughs> doing it. Um, they really, they don't like doing the assignment, but later on when they actually have to use it, then they, they're grateful for that opportunity of being awkward now so that when you actually need to introduce yourself to other professionals, you have that down. And sometimes they watch their video and they're like, oh, I could have done it so much better. Sure, and, they, um, it, they learn from it considerably. Yeah. And it's just a little um, way to incorporate technology. It doesn't seem like, you know, a, you don't need a lot of technical know-how. Sure. But it does um, help them to grow as professionals and to think about how they are portraying themselves. Yeah. Do you do that? Is that a face-to-face -face class or an online class or it, both? I have them do it in both. So okay. um, when I teach the class online in summer, they have to do it as well. And then when they do it face-to-face, -face, we practice in class. Okay, yeah. Um, I show them what to do, and then I say, I need it uploaded by 11.59 tonight. Yeah, that's great. And that mm -hmm. time limit really sort of layer, levels the playing field somewhat. It gives them just enough time to be, I don't have time to get anxious about this. I've got to just do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and some of them will um, will record it on YouTube and send me the link, but the majority will click the button on Canvas sure. and they find that it's, it's very useful. Uh -huh. That's um, great. Other experiences with technology that I look forward to implementing is the use of 
the VR, the virtual reality. I think it holds so much potential. Mm -hmm. And last spring, we had 500 middle school students from um, Waluk Junior High School. They came, and it was the highlight of the year. Um, we still continue to hear about that through the rest of the year. When I go back to Central, I want to study, and I want to learn how to use the virtual reality so I can learn biology better, or so that I can learn geography better, or so that I can see my home in Mexico. Sure. And I really need more ways to implement that virtual reality with my students so that our future teachers can do that in their classroom, just get students to be much more motivated. Uh -huh. I think they would be much more motivated if they were learning it. Sure. With technology. Right. Well, and, and I may have you um, sort of talk about what they did or, or expand on mm -hmm. that. So as part of the STEM teaching program, our students have to go out and student teach, but we start them slow. Um, and part of our initial planning was, well, we're asking this, the schools to do a lot for us. What are we doing for them? And at that point, we said, well, why don't we have, uh, why don't we host all sixth, seventh, and eighth graders here? That sounded really good. Yeah. Um, it ended up being tons and tons of work. And we had, once they came, all sixth graders came on a Wednesday, seventh graders came on a Thursday. I believe all eighth graders came on Friday. And then we had different stations. So they had opportunities to explore the greenhouse and get to meet the tortoise. And they had some robotics. Well, we also took a station um, in the School of Ed, and that was um, through the through the MEC. Uh -huh. And we, I volunteered my students. You will be working <laughs> with uh, junior high school students, so come in and get some training on the virtual reality. As we had um, our central students, I want to say manning, monitoring, helping the students. Um, we had four virtual reality headsets. And we decided that probably the easiest one for them to do would be Google Earth. Uh -huh. Although if some got mastery, then they could explore other things. So there were some students that got to go into the human body and explore different things. And there were kids that literally walked off um, a ledge in a canyon. And that was <laughs> really interesting. Um, while our students were working with a virtual reality headset and the other students, 6th, uh, 7th, and 8th grade students were waiting, they got to work on circuit boards. Okay. And so that was a lot of fun, creating different ways to um, to generate light or to produce sure. a sound or to create a speaker using your phone. And they were just really excited to be in that space because yeah. that technology is not readily available in their schools. And they were excited that college students got to do this right. every single day. It was also an opportunity for CWU students that didn't even know we had the virtual reality headset that were underused. So they were very excited by it. And so it was overall just a really wonderful um, day for our students. So it brought, um, the central students had a great learning experience as well as not just with the technology, but with the middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. And then the middle schoolers got to experience all those things as well. And, um, and it sounds like it's still something that they talk about and that up and coming, you know, they're hoping you're gonna, are you gonna do it again? I'm hoping so, but it was just a monumental task. It was three full days. Right. I'm hoping that we will. I think it's a great way to not just ask the schools to do something for us, but for us to do something with them. Mm -hmm. right. And um, right. I know that in the next couple of days, we're going to be hosting 1,600 potential CWE students. 
And I think it's important for them to know that this technology exists and you can implement that into your major. Right. And so that would be fun if we could make more use of that. Yeah, that's great. Um, do you have anything to share? You know, some things when, when you try new things, it doesn't always end up working well. And so, you know, we have a flop uh, sometimes. And I think that that's part of taking risks and it can be a good learning experience. And we want our faculty to know that failure isn't a problem, you know? And so do you have anything to share when you've attempted to implement some new technology and it just didn't go well? I fail all the time. Um, I make multiple mistakes. Sometimes it's my error. Like I'll be where this happened yesterday. I was making some last minute updates on a PowerPoint and I was so confident. I'm like, yes, this is so much better. And then I forgot to click upload. So that happens. But the fact sure. that I did it, um, I think helps me in the classroom. They can usually draw on those. Um, Canvas is a little bit slow the first couple of days of class. So I already know that. Sure. And so I will tell my students, you may have this issue, take a screenshot and just email it. Don't freak out about, tech about the technology. Sure. Um, we had a quiz this last uh, weekend and there were a couple of students, even though I mentioned to them, you will need the lockdown browser. Don't wait until Sunday. Something will go wrong. Sure enough, out of 60 students, three of them couldn't do it. Sure. Yep. Um, and I said, you're not going to freak out about te technology. That's above all our pay grades, contact the help and then we'll work on it. <laughs> right. Occasionally videos won't upload. Um, and so I've gotten into the practice where for some things, um, I will print out all the PowerPoints and sometimes I'll have to manually type in the link. Sometimes the volume won't work. So we'll switch it into a different room. But I think I model like, let's just be flexible. We're not gonna, it's not the end of the world. Right. And if it doesn't work today, it'll probably work tomorrow. So um, we'll go on and do the next thing. Um, and I really do love technology, but it's not the solution for everything. Sure. I don't believe that, particularly for the courses that I teach, I don't think online is the best way to teach multicultural education because although the difficult conversations can be had, there's that protective barrier that you're not really staring at somebody in the eye. You're looking right. at some transmission. And so I do see huge potential for many courses going online but I'm really protective of the multicultural education because we need to look at other people in the eyes and learn how to interact with other people mm -hmm. in a way that I just, it can be done in uh, using technology, but I think nothing is better than looking at somebody and trying to find how are we the same, how are we different, um, and really to get you to identify that we're all human and that we all have wealth and assets and sometimes that's through a conversation. Right, face-to-face -face conversation. Yes, yeah. much like we're having now. Yes. I feel like I'm on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love and commend your um, relaxed attitude about technology that yes, it is what it is and mm -hmm. sometimes it's gonna work flawlessly and sometimes it isn't and it, it doesn't help any of the situation to get really worked up about it and mm -hmm. by um, showing your students that attitude is a great uh, is a great model so thank you for doing that yes and I just want to say I remember when I was a recent immigrant from Mexico and I remember in my sixth grade class there was some contest um, 
this was in the late 70s, that asked you to think about something that hadn't been invented yet. And I remember thinking, nothing. Everything's already been invented. I, I couldn't <laughs> think. I didn't have that imagination. But I think now everything I see has exceeded my wildest imagination. Uh -huh. So I can't imagine what we're going to do in the future. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's really an exciting time thinking about, especially with the VR and your interest in the VR, how to build that into curriculum so that mm -hmm. um, it's meaningful. It's not just a fun game, but we're um, either exploring teaching a curriculum through it or designing things for it or, mm -hmm. or whatever. There's so much potential there, and yes. it's a fun little, how do we tease this to to meet our learning outcomes. Exactly. And that's an area that I hope to learn. And I appreciate all the work because I feel like we're, there's a lot of knowledge here. And I know that I can always come to, to you um, and to other people in the office for help. And so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Did you want to share an additional teaching innovation? Um, I feel like we talked about um, your, the, the, uh, bringing the students through, and so mm -hmm. I didn't know if that was what you wanted well, to or so if you would like to share an additional. I'm, I'm okay. still in the process of um, developing because I do want to learn how to incorporate this technology and get all of my students to present their undergraduate research work. And so in the past, they've had the opportunity to present at source, but that's only true if you're a student in the spring in my classes. Okay. And so I would like to maybe host something online where we're all online and you get to present your work and so but i'm hoping that sometime in the winter i'll have an opportunity to develop some kind of a, a conference while students sure. can present an online conference a virtual right. conference that presenting synchronous, yes synchronous yeah. yep. a synchronous uh presentation where we get the same benefits from presenting at source yeah but you're doing it from you know one of these studios over at home with your laptop sure mm -hmm. yeah that sounds good yes well, thank you so much for joining us on the Multimobile Podcast and um, being our featured faculty. Well, thank you so much for having me, Delaine. I appreciate it. Otra cosa que me gustaría mencionar es que en el futuro me encantaría poder incorporar programación en español para nuestras familias que viven aquí en Quiritas, pero también en el Valle de Yacno. Es muy importante que los padres de familia, los abuelitos, puedan encontrar maneras para apoyar la educación de sus hijos y también que tengan la información necesaria tanto a la inmigración y también cómo ayudar a sus hijos para que puedan entrar a la universidad información de becas, información que puede ser muy útil para las personas que quizás no pudieron estudiar en sus países de origen. Uh, en particular, yo siempre pienso en mi mamá, que solamente pudo terminar el primer año de primaria, mi papá también, y ellos no tienen muchos estudios, pero de una manera u otra lograron sacarnos adelante. Yo quisiera poder ser un recurso para ayudar a todos los padres para que puedan hacer que sus hijos logren todos sus sueños y sus metas y que sepan que aquí en la Universidad Central de Washington tenemos los brazos abiertos y que estamos dispuestos para apoyar a sus hijos. Okay. Uh, what's next? Is, uh, Is it time for 
The app of the episode is here. Inside Chad's mind. <laughs> we can do this every time, aren't we? I love that I one. I know you do. <laughs> um, so the app of the episode is Ally. Which Ally. Ally. It is uh, a Blackboard uh Product. product that is integrated into Canvas. You do yes. not see it yet from most of you. We are in the pilot stages of it, but um, I anticipate probably the next quarter uh, more faculty will get to play with it. Yep. And Ally is all about accessibility. It's primary, it has twofold um, benefits. The first, I think, is that when you turn on Ally within your course, it's going to automatically generate alternative formats for your students. So it'll generate HTML file out of your document. It'll generate a EPUB. electronic an EPUB mm-hmm. um, so you could download and access it on devices. It will also generate an electronic Braille file. It'll generate an audio MP3 file. So that means that regardless of any need, all your students will be able to access these alternative formats and listen to the assignment, listen to the paper that you're sharing with them while they're, you know... On the go. On the go. Driving, whatever. Right. Um, So that's a really great tool that doesn't require uh, an accommodation request. It doesn't require any extra work on anyone's parts. It'll just do that for any documents that you've added to Canvas. The other part of Ally that is really great is the sort of self-guided... It'll give the instructor a gauge on how accessible their document is and you actually have this little dial and it'll go from green to red and that's only visible to the faculty member but it it'll show you how accessible your document is and then it will give you little tips like uh, this document is just missing alt text for the images or this document's missing headers why do I need headers and then it'll you can walk through um, how to adjust your document and make it updates to it to make it more accessible. Right. And it, it gives you, I mean, uh, it gives faculty an awareness of accessibility. Absolutely. And I do want to make the point that accessibility isn't just for people who have um, a disability that we would commonly associate with an accommodation request. Absolutely. And a lot of these tools, the, the Ally tools, especially with the documents, allow students to make choices that are, again, multimodal, um, that allow students to make choices that are benefit that help them learn for themselves. So right. if audio, if they're more audio oriented, then having an audio version of that paper is going to be super more effective to a vast, uh, a large swath of students, if you right. will. absolutely. Rather than um, just having, just reading, for example. Or they can, can supplement that too. So they have a, a reading. It would help people who yes. have English as a second language. Absolutely. So there's a lot, a lot of benefits that I see with that. I'm super excited when we start the rollout. It's not, again out there yet in uh, at the general population at the general population of faculty but look for it and we'll be doing more workshops and talking about it as the quarter uh, especially winter quarter yeah well we've got a real small pilot this fall we're going to be broadening that and so um, if you're interested at all please give me a shout out again this is Delena Brecken (laughs) (laughs) Um, but but yes we're going to really be increasing our um, access next term and actually, if you're available, if we get this out on Friday, we're doing a little uh, at the multimodal learning community. Um, we're going to be talking about the experience of our pilot faculty. Awesome. 
This week at the Multimodal Education Center in Samuelson 126, we are starting our daily workshops. And every day we have a different one. Monday we are doing um, videography. How videography. To, yep. How to do video, how to edit video. Uh, Tuesdays we do virtual reality, just training you on using our virtual reality headsets. Mm. We also do um, Photoshop on Photoshop retouching um, how to use it basically and then on Thursdays we round it all up with 3d modeling and printing and we'll uh, walk you through the process of how to create your own 3d models and get them printed ooh that sounds great is that in the create lab in, in the new Samuelson building 126 Samuelson indeed you do and um, what we do is uh, have basically an open lab between two and four for anyone who wants to drop in and learn those experiences two and four every day Monday through Thursday Monday through Thursday in Samuelson 126, and that's for the MEC, Multimodal Education Center, right, yeah, Chad? Yeah, yeah, it's free to students, staff, and faculty. How do you uh, submit a question to ask it? That's a great <laughs> question. Go to the Multimodal Learning website. Which is cw.edu forward slash multimodal dash learning. Yes slash multimobile is the podcast page. Sure, but yes, yes. Okay. And there's an ask it. There's just say, send me an email, basically. Yeah, so you can ask. You can go there, click on the link. You can send an email to delana.brecken at cw.edu or chad.shone at cw.edu. We'd be glad to add you to our list. We keep making up the questions. We'd like to hear from you. So that wraps it up for this episode. <laughs> Got through it. We I am did. even it's functioning on three hours of sleep as I am. Oh my gosh. I know. I don't I'm even know. Insomnia away mm. tomorrow. Anyway, uh, we hope to hear from you. Please uh, subscribe. Subscribe right. to our podcast, yeah. Right. And send just, us an ask it, you right. know, like try and stump uh, this. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely uh, subscribe. Uh, tell us what you like, What if there are any features that you want to see or questions that you have. Um, we're making this available to you. Yep. Have a good day. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I am a princess on this Hallow's Eve. While spooky voices whisper through the night. I sit perched high, hidden away.